And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling Mean and angry Hear that co-host shouting It's Dander and Jay all right, welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast. Growlin' Pauliner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you here on a Wednesday. We're on the Wednesday schedule now, Jay. One step closer to the holiday weekend. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. And a step closer to the dead period. We're almost mm. there. It's. I mean, we're. it feels kind of dead right now. I know there's a lot of topics, but there's a lot of... There's a lot of topics out there now that are somebody says something that's already been said 15 (laughs) times and now we have to talk about it again Uh, or trying to make something out of nothing. Hey, here's a guy who's doing something different. Haven't seen a lot of best shape of my life stories out there yet, but they're coming. Mm -hmm. Training camp. Oh, yeah. That's that's much more of a that's much more of a, a training camp trope. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm I'm not in the best shape of my life. I can I can say that confidently. <laughs> uh, but I'm doing great otherwise. Uh, it's awesome. So we got we're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, slightly a slight move, and that is we're going to kind of focus a little bit on some of the questions that you guys have uh, because we you know it's wide open right now. Uh, there there's not a lot of really new stuff happening, which we'll discuss at the top. And, uh, and so we want to kind of put it in, in your hands and we did, and you guys responded cause you always do. Yeah. You're solid in, uh, coming up with whether it's questions you have or, or anything we ask you to do, giving Jay homework, uh, <laughs> you always got something. So some, we, we've got some of your questions that you guys send into us. So we're going to spend the majority of this episode running through some of those, there were some repeated topics, so we'll put a little emphasis mm-hmm. on some of those. Uh, Mo Egger, of course, for ESPN 1530 joining us. Great to have Mo coming on here in a little bit, as always. We'll do a little bit of, um, it's sort of a betting game, but not really. It's it's really kind of t- taking a little bit of a, an assessment of the schedule and in, in, in the way that we like to do it with Mo. So hopefully y'all will enjoy that. Um, and of course, we've got to talk about T. Higgins. Because, like, you can't have an episode that goes by where we don't talk about T. Higgins or mm-hmm. mention Joe Mixon's situation. Like, those, these are, like, the two things now that we have to – or Burrow's contract, of course. But we're almost past that now. Yeah. Uh, I have the official retweet that I can hit, which <laughs> is I have the story written on the numbers that matter whenever Burrow signs his contract, what to keep in mind whenever Burrow signs his contract. So I can just keep – hitting retweet and then the like finger arrow down 
to like, hey, read this again. Someone else is talking about this again from some. Read this again. Hey, so then three days later, they're talking about Burroughs contract again. Read this again. Like, I mean, we we it's uh it's good to have. I wanted to make sure we had that in the bucket so that we can easily take care of things over the course of the next what two months as we try to get closer to camp. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed all the uh, the breaking news of Burrow will be the highest paid player in the league. <laughs> I think that's been discussed uh, for weeks, months now. I I remember saying it in 2021. <laughs> I mean, where we were talking about he's he's going to crack 50 million. He's going to be record setting contract. I, I mean, I don't even like feel like I need to say anything other than just I just call it the future record setting contract. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a, the assumed truth forever. So, um, uh, and thanks everybody that's watching us here on YouTube. I know we've been off YouTube. We've had all kinds of stuff going last week. We've been on vacations. We've been doing different recordings and had interviews in, in spliced in. So good to have everybody back here on YouTube looking at us. We're still alive. I'm not too sunburnt yet. Jay's still in the dark. Like I am still in the dark. At some point, Jay will get some lighting be- besides the like what looks like a, a a leg lamp potentially back behind him. It's something. I like we, you in the dark, Jay. I mean, we are. I thought I was going to move upstairs to one of my kids' bedrooms, but then my son is doing an internship in Columbus this summer, not living in Athens. So all of his stuff came home. All of his stuff is in that room. So I'm still in my family slash dining room in the dark. I have every window open. I have every light on and it's, I think it's my camera. I don't think I'm actually in a dark room. I think I just have a bad laptop camera. Very possible. You need to upgrade. Hello, New York times. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let's, uh, let's talk. uh, If you have questions that you want to drop into us, um, go ahead and do that into the comments section and maybe we'll add them in as we get going through the Q and a, uh, later on. So, uh, you know, feel free to do that and we'll try to get to some of those. Let's start here. Um, news, uh, the Bengals ring of honor nominees are out. Um, they're the same guys that you, we talked about last year. Uh, Jay, do you have, uh, leftover thoughts? On uh, on from last year of who should get in this year, uh, what would you? Did they hit your pick last year? Did you have Isaac last year um, as well, or did you have a different? I can't. I, I had Isaac. I can't remember if I, I had. We all Willie. had Willie. I thought. I felt like we all had Willie. Did we? Last okay. Year. Yeah, because he. I mean, he's so he's borderline Hall of Fame, and um, yeah, this year. I mean, I don't know about most. It feels like a lock based on fan vote. It's going to be Boomer and Chad. Um, and, and it's not to say those are bad picks that it's just, it's a popularity contest. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I hope Lamar Parrish gets in at some point. Um, just, I, I saw an article somewhere was talking about, he was actually the better player than Ken Riley. I don't know if I agree with that, but the fact that you could make that argument says a lot about how great Lamar was. Um, and he's in that era and he's getting older. So I, I, I would hope that, It'd be great if they always, if every year it was an older guy and then a more recent guy. But I, I know that's not how it goes with fan voting. And a lot of the people that are voting are younger. They've only heard stories about the older guys. Um, but I, I do hope Lamar gets his due at some point. I just, I don't think it's going to be this year. I mean, the only, the only thing about that is you do have more powerful votes coming from the longtime season mm-hmm. ticket holders that, that, and that, and I think we've seen that maybe play out in the Isaac Chad mm-hmm. vote. Um, I I will say the 
the under the radar name that maybe I want to see get more run or that I think deserves more run. I, I'd agree with you. You know, Lamar Parrish obviously was a special player from back in the day. So maybe those those that have those powerful votes can attest and, and have some weight in that. Along those lines, I, I think Tim Crumry needs to get more love. I just mm-hmm. don't feel like I hear his name often enough. And if it is, it's usually to talk about, oh, you know, his leg injury in the Super Bowl. This dude was the heart and soul of that thing. And he was a absolute monster defensive yeah. tackle forever. Okay. And a mainstay, all everything that defense was about. I just I'm not saying he's gonna get in or I think he's gonna get in. I just don't think we hear his name enough when it comes to the Ring of Honor conversation. Um, there, there's a lot of flashier players. Mm-hmm. Um, give me Tim Crumry's bloody nose underneath the <laughs> face mask with the bar coming down the middle yeah. for uh, for the type of you know what I, I think of old school football, the Bengals of the '80s. Uh, that's certainly. One that I that I think deserves more in the conversation, um, when it, when we start talking about that. Not saying that uh, there aren't a bunch. Um, a lot of people talking about lap. Mo, Mo has talked about this. We talked about it on this show yesterday on ESPN fifteen thirty. Lap needs to get in, and it needs to be a separate thing. Yeah, we're not we're not going to compare the playing career of Dave Lapham up against the playing career of these other guys. Dave Lapham is an institution. He's one of the most recognizable people for anybody that knows anything at all about the Bengals. And that needs to be regarded that way as a person who for almost the entirety of the existence of the organization has been a part of it. And for the last, what, three, four decades, been a face and voice of it. And and nobody cares about the organization more, you know. And, mm. and and I think that that needs to just be a separate entry. That needs to be a spe- like look, vote for these other people based on the field. Lap needs his name up there because he's you know he's Mr. Bengal. Yeah, I think that will. I don't. I'm not trying to push Lap out the door, but if he ever decides to retire, I think that would be kind of the the retirement ceremony thing where he he gets his they unveil his name in the Ring of Honor at that point. But who knows? He's still as doing a great job. I don't think there's any interest in, in him and in retiring. He still looks great for his age. Um, but you know, you, you see some of these other guys that the love that they get when they step down, like Doug Deacon in Cleveland. And, um, I, I think that would be a great honor for lap when, whenever he does call it quits. And, and again, I hope it's, I hope it's not anytime soon. Screw that. What are we waiting for? <laughs> you going to wait till someone walks off or what are we going to wait till something happens? I I just it goes back to the same conversation we had about Ken Riley. When someone deserves it, give it to him. I just I don't want to wait for some terrible news to happen, and they never got their day. Now, not that Lap doesn't get days. Like I mean, everybody knows and loves Lap. I get it's 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 I I get it, but his name deserves to be up there, and it deserves to be a, a one off. I'm with that. Mo has been the driver of that, and I'm with him on that. Um. Uh, let's, 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 let's move on from that. You get votes can be cast now. Um, if you want to go place your vote, if you are a season ticket or suite holder, you get votes in that. 
Uh, how how yeah. about next year? Uh, Lap broke in with the Bengals in 74. Next year would be the 50-year anniversary of that. There you go, Jay. Perfect there time. You, you just did it. You just... At least that's better than saying wait till lap decides to quit. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's just just find a number, find a date that works. So there you go. Yeah. 50 years. They should announce it on his draft day anniversary. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Whenever I, I, I mean, I you I don't know how many people out there have heard it. We've heard the story of his draft day where he had to bribe people in his dorm to stay off the payphone in his dorm in case he got drafted. <laughs> and that's how the Bengals let him know. They called a payphone in his dormitory to say, uh, yeah, we want I'll, you to come play for us. I'll have to ask Dave if he still has a uh, a landline in his house. And we'll have to have <laughs> Mike Brown called Lap's landline at his house and do it old school style, just like they did back in the day. Um <laughs> Uh, after that, uh, we had the latest in the phase two things. <laughs> I'm not going to call them practices, exercising. They, they, they did some exercising on the field. It, it is, I mean, it's a, it's different than the phase one, which is literally just, you know, working with the trainers and out there running a little bit and stretching and what have you. You, but there's no seven on seven. There's no eleven on eleven. There's none of that stuff. Um, no one on one. No one on ones. It's it's defenses working, and the only thing they can do is have other defenders standing in offensive positions in front of them. Uh, it's it's walk throughy in nature. Um, now there's there's throwing. I mean it's it's you know Joe Burrow dropping back, throwing a go ball to T Higgins um, on air. It's everything on air. So whatever that does for you, but it's work, works work. Uh, it's a little over an hour. Um, they do it a couple times, and that's that. So that's what's going on. No Jonah Williams, no Tyler Boyd uh, amongst notables. Still, that has continued. So Jonah and TB, uh, I think, will be looking for when the mandatory mini camp happens. That's June twelfth through the fourteenth. The, the thought and out there now is that Jonah is, is expected to show up for that. We'll see if TB does as well. Two guys who I think certainly were put on notice uh, by moves that happen this offseason and, and some that we have, have seen coming. Yeah. I mean, the, the TB one more so just based on age, um, but the, the Jonah one obviously um, – Still looking for a second deal, and by them signing Orlando Brown, not happy about that. But it, it we've said it a bunch of times here. He's he's not going to leave twelve point six million on the table, and if he did, then he's in the same position he's in right now. He does not he does not enter free agency next year. He would be beholden to that fifth year option next year if he if he elected to sit out this year. So he's going to report at some point. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and no no worries on that. And uh, so, you know, he's gonna he's gonna show up when he's supposed to. So when he has to, you don't yeah. have to right now. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I, I don't want to belabor this point because I do feel like we've talked about it a lot, not just this year, but last year, because the same thing was the case. We've talked about the very light nature of the offseason. Here's the thing. I mean, the Bengals have leaned into this more so um, than almost anyone. That's just been the nature of, of the way that Zach Taylor has decided to do it last year. It was because they, they played so late into the season. They went to the Super Bowl. Their coaches and everybody are so involved in draft process and everything. So they really pared everything down to arriving later, not having hardly as many practices. Here's the basis. of They're doing – it's almost the same exact schedule as mm-hmm. last year, okay? I, I sort of wanted to get a little bit more into the philosophy behind it, how it developed – why why they've leaned so hard into it, why they're doing that again, and the the take on the players, the take from the coaches, the take from Zach Taylor um, on the, on deciding to go this route because of this. For people that don't know, so you have the ability to have 16 practice sessions of some type over the course of the offseason. That is the max you can do under the CBA. That includes 10 OTAs, three days of a mandatory mini camp and three days of a rookie mini camp, 16 total opportunities. You have 13 teams uh, plus five teams that have a first year head coach. Uh, First year head coaches can take actually extra time. You get an extra Mm -hmm. week as part of your program and be, you still have the full allotment all taking the full allotment there. So 18 of the 32 other 31 teams, and the full max 16, and then a bunch of them very close to the full max. The Bengals take seven. Okay, nobody else, only the Eagles have single digits as well. Bengals are the lowest. The Eagles have eight. Bengals and Eagles are very similar, seven, eight, which the Eagles just did a two-day rookie minicamp, and the Bengals just did the one day. To call it one day actually feels it should have been like a quarter of a day. Can you do a point two five? I mean, they went out there and stretched for about an hour and and – ran around a little bit that was it it was barely it was barely anything so opportunities they decide to pass on you know they're they're not going to be out there working out and the difference otas people you know there's people you're seeing these videos of other teams you're seeing they're in helmets they're working you're seeing like sled day with mike vrabel and like it's it and they're these guys are out there they're really getting after it 11 on 11 once you go into otas you can do that stuff you can do the seven on sevens you can do the nine on sevens use a let there's stuff you one-on-ones you can do that stuff um once you get into that level they're just passing on that uh they don't they don't want to do that um and and like you see the most of the rest of the league is not uh is is going full out and there's a reason for that, I think, they're in talking to players, obviously, players love it. <laughs> no stunner, stunner there. Take it easy on the players. And the PA is really fighting for everyone's schedule to look like the Bengals' schedule. Um, I, I talked to Mike Thomas 
uh, who has been is a you know was he in eleven years now? Uh, yeah. Been around everywhere. He's an NFLPA exec board member. Um, I talked to Sam Hubbard, who's been around here, been in the Marvin team. Ted Karras, who's a, a rep, who's been with the Patriots, who you might imagine mm-hmm. take all sixteen every year, <laughs> um, no days off there, and and a bunch of other guys on amongst that leadership group about about how that goes over, and it all sounded the same. I mean, there's just an insane trust built and appreciation and, and a feeling that they're being heard, that this is what they need. This is what they want. And this is how you can take advantage of the luxury of having a staff where everybody's been around. You're not learning new schemes. You've got coaches and coordinators that have been here for five years. You've got a veteran core that's been together. They don't need all that time. So you can take it easy on guys. You can build trust. You can focus on chemistry and think, get everybody here. Here's a sample of that as I talked to Mike Thomas about that yesterday. In particular, this is like the lightest offseason in the league. You know, do you guys notice that? Is that something that Matt like oh, means definitely. a lot to you guys as players? Oh, definitely. And we, we try to let Zach know that we respect him for that and that we love it. You know what I'm saying? That we love the schedule at any chance we get. You know, yeah, we got to make yeah, sure yeah. He, he knows and understands that. And yeah. when it's time to work, we work. But, Zach, you got to know. We love this. Well, because it's like the, I was going through the actual numbers, and I mean, 20 of the 31 teams take the, a full 16 practice a lot man and you know you guys have seven days and he'll probably give you one of those off like but i mean is that something what are those meetings like when you guys talk about that do you guys approach him with that like every like or is that something i I think that's something he believes in uh clearly i think that's something that's probably going to be a trend moving forward yeah. like, throughout this league. And, you know, some 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 coaches apparently are ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, it's one of those things where I think all the players appreciate it because we're getting a chance to let our bodies heal. Still getting our work, my boss, still getting oh, yeah. our work in. Um, still here building uh, trust, building chemistry. But at the same time, I think Zach knows and understands that this is this is the time you need to. This is not the time. You feel me? Be banging and pushing yeah. and, and losing guys, the injury, the soft yeah. tissue and whatnot. He understands that he gets that. I think the organization has done a great job building yeah. a culture like this, and we're yeah. able to take that and continue to get better. Is it when it's like this? Is it easier for everyone to relax and not feel like they have to be out there proving themselves? Because isn't that where a lot of offseason right. injuries come from? Is guys trying to make yeah. a point, guys right. trying to go right. too hard. Right. Right. Does that kind of set a tone of like, hey, we're about get the work in, but we're right. not out here trying to exactly. do anything yeah, it, definitely because you're coming in with a different mindset, different attitude. Yeah, right? and it, and it's forced. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like. Like, if we were like, no, we're competing on here, then to your point, yeah, different tempos because it is the off season. You got vets that like understand it. You got a young dude coming in trying to prove himself. Yeah, it's gonna be. You know what I'm saying? There's gonna be a different set of tempos, right? So I think this eliminates all of that, right? Mm-hmm. But we're still out there. Like I said, we're still out there working, getting that work in. Out of all the places I've been and seen, if a vet had to choose, I'm sure they'll love yeah. to choose this over anywhere. Else. <laughs> I'm That's sure. Well, it, how different is it though? I mean, it's, like, it's and no do, comparison. Do you? feel that yes. in the season oh, like in, in December and January you absolutely. do feel the difference you feel the difference yeah <laughs> right now you feel the difference during the season all the yeah. time again Zach again Zach <laughs> we love it I mean he was like he'd like lean into the to the recorder to make sure <laughs> tells that we love it we love it well and, and you know Sam when I was talking to Sam about it Sam Hubbard he, I mean he said look when I was the first couple of years because I said well, was there a time earlier in your career where you wanted that where you wanted that time to be out there to get that, where you felt like you needed to get better, you felt like you needed to prove yourself, and he said, "Well, maybe not. Not really, because you know what happened? I got hurt. 
He said, I hurt, I, I hurt my thumb. I had a hamstring. He said he had, uh, I have to go back through the tape. I think he said it was a labrum or, or something like that. He's like, and, and so I didn't get better. I didn't even get an opportunity to be out there because it was go. I was going too hard and got myself hurt. We've seen it before. Jonah Williams, right? Will Jackson. We've seen guys lose seasons during the OTA portion, and the Bengals lean on their sports science people to, to know how far they can push during this time of year and to make sure that they don't have that stuff. They don't have the nagging hamstring injury incurred during OTAs or some dumb contact thing because guys, like Mike said, are trying to go too hard when you have young guys out there trying to prove themselves, and th- that is noticed by players and you're gaining a reward in everyone feeling like they're in this thing together, not coaches versus players. And that's mm-hmm. established early. It's it's not coaches versus players. It's not push on you, push on you, push on you. It's we're in this together. I hear you. Let's do this together. Let's trust you to do your work. Hubbard talked about, you know, he doesn't like when he sees it feels like other teams are babysitting their players not trusting them to do the work on their own and be ready. Um, and that's not something that exists here. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess if there's a downside to it, it would be the the guy, the undrafted guys, the late round picks that that, that kind of do need to prove themselves. They need more work. The, the coaches and scouts probably would like to see a little more out of them to know what they have. But you've got a roster where it's going to be really hard for those guys to crack anyhow. And now with the 16 man practice squad, it just, it makes all the sense in the world. And Dak, Dax Hill brought up a great point when I was talking to him yesterday where, you know, last year before his rookie year, these guys are so focused on all their training goes into getting ready for the combine and getting ready to do those specific drills and not necessarily football stuff. And so that that lends itself to those soft tissue injuries when they come in, if they have to go too hard in, in OTAs um, coming off of, of that whole combine prep. So um, it, it just makes sense. And it, it also the, the guys, the, the rookies that are going to be counted on the new guys like Nick Scott, Orlando Brown, it it allows them to to really dive into the scheme it's so much more about the the classroom part of it and the studying it as opposed to going out and doing it on the field and you don't have you don't feel like you're being rushed to have to learn everything all at once it's 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 the the learning process is slower the physical process is slower and the other downside you know people point to the 0-2 last year was that a result of the soft offseason I mean I I think the the Clark Harris injury and the Joe Burrow appendectomy were bigger causes for that zero and two start than what they did in April and May. Yeah. And so that's the other side of it. Okay. Is, and, and this is where, and I talked to Zach Taylor about this yesterday and, and he said, you know, he can look at that logically. He doesn't look at the slow starts, even, you know, five and four, five and four. Okay. Forget yeah. zero and two. I mean, teams that needed to learn who they were, they, I, they'll point more to 10 in a row. As I've said it many times, I think the best run of football I've ever seen by this franchise, 10 in a row, a run to the Super Bowl, teams that were great late, teams that got better as the year went on, teams that generally stayed healthy. If this team had been out there having slow starts, not finishing great, having injuries for two years, you'd say, okay, reevaluate this. But when the proof's in the pudding, it's easy for everybody to say, I I mean, it's working. Mm Mm-hmm. 
the, the, the last two years, you can't ask for a team that's playing better when it matters and staying much healthier. That's kind of been who they've been the last two years. And they've been playing in the last two weekends, each of the last two seasons doing it like this. So argue against that. Okay, there's a million other reasons, but it's clearly not hurting them. And so mm-hmm. I think when you have that, it's easy to, to stay on board with this because, look, you mentioned it, for coaches, for people that are trying to evaluate talent, it's a pain in the butt. You're stealing nine practices? <laughs> you know, I talked to Darren Simmons about this, and he's, you know, he said he, you know, he came, been here in 03 with Marvin. He came here, been in the league forever. Remembers, he's, I remember like the back of my head how it used to be. What what you what you used to be able to get out of the off season program and feel like you especially for him he's trying to train guys who are young who have never hardly done special teams in their life. It's different when you're an offensive guy and a guy knows how to run routes, a guy knows their position. You're trying to take guys that were great their whole careers on offense and defense, maybe didn't play a lot of teams, and teach them this. You only have so many opportunities, and so to lose those, it's tough. And that's a balance that the head coach has to strike when he makes this schedule. And you've seen, I think, Zach Taylor side with the players, side with gaining trust there over whatever it is that you can get by actually going through all of these practices. And he did say, look, if if I was a first-year coach, I would look like all these other teams. I'd have all 16. I need everything I can get, but this is the advantage of where we're at as a team. We don't have to do that, and it does buy us something on the other side in terms of what you get from your players. And it is kind of a new school, old school philosophy too. It'd be interesting to see where you looked at the teams and and who's doing the most, who's doing the least, and then the age or the experience of the of the head coach. Because the, the newer, younger guys are all kind of in that – I think Sean McVay really kind of started that trend of backing off in the in the spring. Yeah. Cincy, Philly, Kevin Stefanski, and Cleveland are the bottom ones with uh, 11, 8, and 7. But again, almost everybody else is in some version um, – up near the top. I mean, almost everybody has either nine or 10 OTAs. Um, and that's just, that's just what it is. But, and, and another point was, look, I, I don't know Zach was saying, I, I don't know what these other teams OTAs look like. They may, they, their practices may actually look very, very similar to what we're doing. It's just, they kept open the ability for them to do a little bit more if they want to. So he's like, but we don't have, I don't know what other teams are doing. He said, I just know what we do and, and what works here and what I value here. So I, something as simple as the off season schedule that seems to be given to you on a template (laughs) to rethink it and analyze it. It's fascinating. All the different, things that a coach has to balance and different point of views and ways you're being pushed from different sides to try to find something that work. And I think it does show your value and, uh, and a willingness to do something different. Hmm. Anytime I said, we were jo- I was joking yesterday, Jay, I was like, I feel like I, I don't even know if I should even write this story because we talk about it so much, but anytime you're doing something that the rest of the league isn't, it's a story. I don't care what it is even if it's how you work with long snappers. Like, <laughs> that's a story. And 
when it's about your entire offseason schedule and you heard the players, again, that's Mike Thomas. They all sounded like that. Hmm. I was Ted Karras, Zach was walking by and I said to I said to Zach Taylor, I said, he just said you're the best schedule maker ever, Zach. <laughs> ever. And uh Ted just Ted and Zach just kind of laughed and pointed at each other, like, I got you, I got you. <laughs> that means something. Think about yeah. your workplace. If you feel like your bosses are listening to you and doing stuff that you want that's good for the for your people and not for the the people up top, hmm. like that matters to you in your job. Uh, all right. Oh, there he is. There he is. Hi. Perfectly timed, as always. Right as I thought to look for you, there mm. you were. Here I am. There you are. Um, we you, we talked. We just got done discussing a topic that you've never heard us talk about before, and that's Cincinnati <laughs> Country Club. So I won't. <laughs> huh? I won't. I won't bring you back in again. I would love, love to go back every time that we've talked during these like three or four weeks of the off season, how many times the last two years that has been an actual segment. I feel like we're hitting like at least 80%, certainly hitting better than anybody on the reds. I'm trying to figure out, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to talk about more in the coming weeks? Uh, what's going to happen if they can't resign T Higgins or the relatively relaxed atmosphere at Bengals, off-season workouts, OTAs, mini camps, and training camp. I don't know. I, I might I, by the end of the summer, I might have a pie chart. We'll, we'll find out. Well, that's hey. perfect, Mo. Oh, go ahead, Jay. I was just gonna say maybe they'll sign T quickly, and then they, that'll take that off the table. No, then we have to come up no, with something no. else. <laughs> then... That's why we're gonna talk about T Higgins right now. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get, we're gonna do something. We're gonna do something. Uh, we're gonna do a little bit of. It's kind of betting, but it's more about like assessing what you're most confident about in the Bengals and as a team next year uh, with the schedule because the lines are out for all 17 games. I want to kind of do something with that. Um, but first, um, there it is, right there. There's the lines uh, on on all these games that we see for next year. That are out. Let's let's dive in. Here's what I wanted to do. Okay. Let's talk about you had to make you have to make two bets with our fictional units that we love to do here on the Bengals line. They are favored in 15 <laughs> of 17 games next year. Only week 17 at the Chiefs plus three and a half. And uh at the Niners in week eight plus one. That's the only game they are not favored in next year. Jay, more stats uh, for you. Here's the th here's why. Uh, Vegas ain't going to keep taking the wash on this one, all right? <laughs> Bengals against the spread the last two years, 11-0-1, when the line is three, when they're three-point dogs or more. They're not mm -hmm. going to be out here being three-point dogs anymore. Not this team. Not after going. They proved it now for two straight years. If you're going to make them three-point dogs or more, you're going to lose. 11-0-1 they've been against those types of lines. Um, the Bengals have 21 games of at least being a three-point favorite the last two years, um, of which almost every game here at the top of the schedule is until you get to the bye, which is why I like that as a favorable schedule. Uh, they're fourteen and seven against the spread, and sixteen and five straight up in those games. So, you talk about fast start, fast start sitting right there. If the Bengals just continue to be the team they have been in recent years, I, I had my own stats uh, 
they they when they're big favorites like they are against the Texans, they don't do well. And yeah, that's that's one of the games where if if I'm picking one that that I would that I would jump on right now, I would take Texans plus nine and a half. That game it's sandwiched between two playoff rematches with the Bills and the Ravens. Um, they're one and four the last five games when they've been favorites of nine and a half points or more, including a game against the Texans when they were favored by ten and a half and they lost ten to six. Um, uh, thir- three fourteen and one, three fourteen and one in their last 18 games when they're favored by nine and a half and a more. That just, that feels like the classic trap game. You're talking about a first year head coach, a first year quarterback and CJ Stroud who will have a half a season to get their legs under them. And I just, if I'm circling one game and maybe Bengal fans don't want to hear this because they would think we would pick the games we would be most confident to bet on the Bengals in, but I, I take Texans in week 10 as my number one choice. Yeah, and by the way, you talk about the Bengals trying to cover a big number. That's been a huge issue with Kansas City. Uh, my colleague mm-hmm. Tony Pike and I joked about this often last year. If you see a minus seven and a half or larger uh, next to the Kansas City Chiefs, take the points. And as great as they have been in recent years, they've really struggled. I don't have the numbers in front of me because I'm woefully prepared for this. But uh, if you look over the last couple of years, there have been a lot of games that you look at and go, boy, Kansas City's going to blow them out. And either they haven't or they've jumped out to big leads and let the other team come back. There was a game against Denver this year where I think they jumped out to a 27 to nothing start. They were 10 point favorites in that range and ended up not covering. So Folks might roll their eyes at you saying that about the Bengals, but in the NFL, nine and a half point spreads don't get covered that often. And I think what you run into here, in particular with a lot of folks who really don't look at the NFL through that lens, through the gambling lens, when you mention, you know what, I don't have a lot of confidence in them covering against Houston. I saw that number. I don't either. Nine and a half points. The the back door is open. You never know what might happen in the last four or five minutes of a game that could, you know, let the team cover the number, even though they were really never that competitive in the game. This happens all the time. And the reigning Super Bowl champions are a prime illustration of that. And so I'm with you. I think the, the two games that I just immediately cast aside and said, I have no confidence. First of all, uh, Houston nine and a half. The other was Seattle four and a half. I think that's a sneaky, scary game leading up to the bye the gauntlet after the bye, there's a decent chance, a, 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 a non-zero chance. The Bengals will be 5-0 and going into that game. I just, I think that Seattle team is is kind of sneaky good. Uh, we'll see if Geno Smith doesn't turn into a pumpkin this year, but if he doesn't, I think they have good talent around him. Are the Bengals probably going to beat the Seattle Seahawks at home? Sure, but four and a half? I don't have a lot of confidence in that game. On our, on our schedule uh, show that Lance, Tony, and I did, I picked that as a loss in large. I think they're going to go 13 and four, but you know, there's, there's, there's always sort of a game that you don't expect them to lose last year. It was Halloween. Not going to be stunned if it's that uh, week six game against Seattle. So I am going to uh, show no confidence in either that one or Houston. Um, Go ahead, Jay. No, I was going to say my, if my second one is, is one that Paul's written about when, when he, when he wrote his story, when the schedule came out, the, the division games on the road, especially on Thursday night, very, very hard on the road team. And that's Bengals going to the week 10 with Texans. And my next one is week 11 at the Ravens on Thursday night. Yeah, they're only favored by a point. But but going into Baltimore and a, a chance that maybe you've already beaten Baltimore in week two and, and, and trying to pull off the sweep and do it on a short week and 
I just I think that's a really tough call, and that that would be the other one I would jump on right now. I go ahead and take the Ravens plus one in Week Eleven. Yeah, that's that is that. I, I don't know how I I just feel like the numbers are on your side there. I mean, the fact that they're mm-hmm. a favorite in a game that traditionally in this division is is a really tough one is a one in four chance to win. Just the, <laughs> if you look at the history, um, I think the numbers are in your side in doing that. So, but I, that would be one that I would have. Uh, on there, I would actually parlay that with the Bengals getting three and a half at the Chiefs. How many times do these teams have to finish in a three point game until you take a three and a half point line? Like every single time they play, it's three points. Uh, what, what what line did I just tell you? Eleven zero and one when at least a three point uh, dog the last two years. Again, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's. Patrick Mahomes uh, and and the greatest def- in the 2000 Ravens defense. Like, I, look, the the history is the history. The history between these two teams is what it is. I, I would I would take that the the Ravens and the Chiefs lines and put them together. The other one I would do. Give me a four team money line parlay weeks three through six. I think the Bengals roll this part of the schedule. Rams, Titans, Cardinals, Seahawks up to the bye. I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be good early. I don't think you're going to see the five and four sluggishness happen again. Um, I think there's probably a split in weeks one and two. And and I just, these are teams that they should beat. And I think they've been mostly pretty good at beating teams that they should beat, especially against the Rams on Monday Night Football, a super young team. The Titans are not going to be good. The Cardinals are the worst team in football. And I'll take my chances with the Seahawks on a four-team parlay at home. So I, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to say bucking this, all this, oh, they've started slow the last couple of years. Buck that trend. <laughs> the schedule sets up for them. And I'm not saying they're going to cover them all, but they win them all. And that should that should be a nice little nice little fictional payout for me. A four team same team parlay. I'm not sure that's that's ever happened in recorded gambling history. They should be five and one at the buy. And so the yeah. the two the two games that I have the most confidence in betting the Bengals in are first of all that Tennessee game because even if you default to well look they've started slow. Okay, by October first the the start of the season is kind of behind us. I think the Titans are going to be dreadful. They've won there each of the last two years, and I am I am really looking forward to the juxtaposition. We'll talk about this all week long. The Cincinnati Country Club versus whatever the hell Mike Vrabel's doing down there with guys pushing <laughs> sleds in the month of May and stuff like that. Uh, they're going to go to uh, Nashville. They're going to destroy the Tennessee Titans. I just don't think they're going to be very good. The Bengals have outplayed them. The two games they've played in the playoffs uh, two years ago and last year, they've outplayed them, and I think they go on the road and uh, and cover the four and a half. The other one, and this might be somewhat surprising, I, I get basically a pick 'em at home against Buffalo. Um, look, the hmm. Bills are probably still going to be really good. Odds on favor to win the AFC East. Can they rush the passer? Von Miller will be back for that game, I suppose. Uh, the Bengals dominated them in the snow in the postseason. Uh, and obviously, you know, you do have to acknowledge it had been a really weird few weeks for the Buffalo Bills. Um, and I tremendously look forward to that night to cheering uh, DeMar Hamlin as he charges out onto the field. That's going to be terrific. Um, also, before that game got canceled uh, in early December, the Bengals looked like they were going to score 500 points in that football game. <laughs> I've got to cover a point at home uh, in what is going to be a charged atmosphere against Buffalo, a team that they dominated in the playoffs last year. I'll, I'll take my chances with that. I don't have to cover more than a point. Let's go. Win by two. I cover. I win. I'm happy. 
Yeah, th- that my two or what you guys already mentioned. If if it, the two that I would pick the Bengals in would be that Chiefs one getting three and a half uh, that late in the year. Um, that that's going to mean something one way or the other. And, and like Paul said, they, they all they do is play three point games, and then that Bills game because the week before they go to San Fran and they they either lose that game coming off the bye and they come home angry, refocused, whatever how, however you want to list it, or they beat San Francisco. They're on this incredible roll, and they do just kind of seem to to to. I don't you know I don't know if you can say they have the Bills number after five quarters, but it, it hasn't really looked like they the Bills were in the same park with them those those last two times they met. So one point at home that 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 seems like a, a really really good bet for for a Bengals team at the point in the season when they typically take off. Week nine you get. You get past that halfway point, and that's when they they really seem to find their groove. All right, let's just take a quick break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Can I talk about T. Higgins with you, Mo, or will it set you into a bad place? <laughs> no. I, I'm enjoying this topic. I got yelled at. I talked about this on the air with you. I continued it for another segment or two, and then a guy called it and yelled at me for talking about T. Higgins too much. And so now now he's in my head. And yeah. so I'm he I won't be by three o'clock today. Right. Well, I I thought it was a good conversation uh, that we talked about. And and I've 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 liked your your take on this, and that is one that that Honestly, sometimes I don't even realize as much that is out there, and that is the fact that there's a freakout nature happening with what if the Bengals lose T. Higgins with some people? What if what if that happens? And men right, sell the team, right? Just it's, it's, it's <laughs> move them, move them to Mexico. Let me do. Here's how I want to frame it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you three options. We can run pass or boot this. Of if. I gave you these three things you could do with $25 million. What would you do with them? And let's just take it under the umbrella for this, you know, for this year, just as part of one year. Don't, don't try to look at it for any more than that. 
Would you rather have T. Higgins at $25 million? Would you rather have Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, and Orlando Brown? Which is basically $25 million in cap. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have Mike Hilton, Chitabay, Wuzier, Von Bell, and Jermaine Pratt? Which essentially cap out to about $25 million. Which of those three would you rather have and do you think gives the Bengals a better chance at winning but the reason I ask is to display that just because you don't have T Higgins doesn't mean there aren't still quality players that you can have to fill in for that and you got to think about what sometimes you can be giving up if you do use that money on just one person yeah look I would love it if T Higgins is a Bengal uh, moving forward uh, beyond 2023. He's a terrific player. He's going to get paid. He deserves to get paid. If I lose T Higgins, I have to replace one guy under the, the options that you presented me. If I lose, if I choose T and maybe lose three quality offensive linemen. (laughs) Oh, uh, I'm not sure I want that or I've got to replace all these guys on defense. So, you know, my perspective has kind of been, I would like T on the team. Who wouldn't? If he leaves, I still have Joe Burrow. I still have Jamar Chase. I have a quarterback that a lot of number two wide receivers would probably love to come play with. I've got a loaded, according to people who write about such things, 2024 wide receiver class in the draft. I'm probably still going to be able to pass the football pretty effectively. Oh, and by the way, my offense can be adjusted. Okay, so maybe we don't throw it quite as much because we're better on the ground. Maybe Chase Brown's the answer. Maybe there's a running back that they add next season in the draft who enables them to run the football a little bit more efficiently and, and then causes them to run the ball a little bit more often. Maybe the, the tight end that everybody is dreaming of manifests itself in, in the draft. And suddenly, I'm still really good on offense. I'm just, I'm really good in a different way. So I I want T. Higgins to be a Bengal, but under this exercise, I'm going to boot T Higgins. I got to replace one guy. Um, and I still have Jamar chase for the next two seasons, at least. Sorry. I, I, I know that's probably not going to fit with the consensus and there is going to be a freak out factor if they don't get a deal with T done with T done. And if he does leave, but they have finally built what I think is a competent offensive line. And with this exercise, I'm losing it. If I keep T, Sorry, I'm I'm booting T. I am going to run with the offensive line and I am going to I'm going to pass with the guys on defense that you talked about in large part because I I trust what they've done to the draft the last couple of years and so I'm defaulting to hey, they've they've kind of planned for maybe losing some guys on defense with young cheap talent on that side of the football. But the, the T Higgins thing, the more I think about this, I know what it will sound like if we get to September and a deal's not done. And I know what it will sound like if T Higgins ends up leaving the Bengals via free agency, but I I just don't think that's going to be the end of the world. I still think we're going to look at them and go, you know what? As long as nine's back there, they're okay. And as long as nine's back there upright and healthy, he's going to find guys that he can throw to and weaponize to make this offense still really, really good. I mean, even the, even the most fanatical gotta resign Higgins people out there, if you present it to them in the way Paul has here with these three options, I, I think if they're being realistic, they'd be with you. They would boot the T Higgins thing. And it's you know, Jamar Chase can't be in two places at once, but 
could he put up stats for two people instead of one? I mean, I think the odds are if, if he loses T Higgins, it's not going to cost him having him taking pressure off him. I think you're going to see his numbers go through the roof and you know, who knows? Charlie Jones can, can maybe be a guy like he was in college where he's getting a bunch of underneath stuff and, and catching a ton of balls. And as you said, great class coming out next year. It just, it, it would be, it would be a lot of fun to see them keep the the band together. But I, I just, it would be devastating for, for either to go either one of those other options where you're losing three quality offensive linemen or four quality defensive players. T Higgins is just one guy. Um, and he, he's terrific, but you, you just, I, I don't know. I, you, you can move on without him and not necessarily survive, maybe even be better. Well, I'll say this. I mean, it, it just needs to be reminded to people without Jamar chase who we're all in agreement. Jamar chase is, T and Jamar are both great. Jamar Chase mm-hmm. is a better receiver. Without Jamar Chase last year, they scored 42 against Carolina in one of the most dominant things you've ever seen in a half. They scored 37 at Pittsburgh. <laughs> and then they went to Tennessee and won with 20. Now, people would point out one of those was a jump ball at T. Higgins. It's fair. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but these, these were performances without Jamar Chase last year. Throw in the Cleveland clunker, their first game without him. They adjusted. Mm-hmm. They figured it out. The offense was was maybe two of their maybe their two of their most impressive offense performances all year were those two games. It was Carolina and at Pittsburgh putting a, a good that was Pittsburgh's defense figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Uh at that point. They were about to hit their run. And they put up thirty seven and Joe Burrow yelled, We the big dogs. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, the, the the Burrow piece, I mean, there's two things. I just default to you have number nine. And if you go, well, yeah, you'll have nine, but you're taking away one of his targets, then don't pay Joe Burrow. Now, does anybody want to go down that road? Like, if if you think this is all going to fall apart because they lose T. Higgins, who, again, is a number one wide receiver for most of the teams in this league. And if he's on the Bengals in 2024, awesome. I, I kind of trust him that they'll figure it out. But if you're looking at it going, God, if they don't have T. Higgins, this is this is going to start to unravel you better rethink whether you want to give Joe Burrow $55 million a year. And I don't think anybody is going to really rethink that. So, and and the other one is, I mean, this, I I feel like Joe Burrow taking less has become a larger talking point nationally and maybe even locally than it has for any of these other quarterbacks. I I haven't read, I haven't watched these ESPN shows where they're like, Oh, you know, what's Justin Herbert going to do? Should he take less? Like, why don't you get your nose out of his money? But, but I also feel like there's this sense of like, well, Joe wants T here. And then if T's not here, Joe's going to be big mad. My guess is Joe's going to go like, okay, wish he was here. Um, we'll figure it out. I'm Joe Burrow. I'll, I'll make a bunch of wide receivers great. This is the plan moving forward. By the way, maybe we can keep some offensive linemen. Maybe we can reinvest in the offensive line. Maybe we can continue to to build a good defense that enables me to not have to go out there and hang forty on every team every week. Like, I I, I feel like the oh Joe's going to be mad. We're dealing with a really mature guy who gets it, seems to really grasp the business of football and how it works, and understands that at some point during his tenure as the Bengals franchise quarterback, there are going to be players who he likes, who he enjoys, who he loves playing with, who he's had success with, who end up leaving either because the Bengals just choose to not resign them or they can't afford them or that player just gets a better deal elsewhere. I, I Joe's not going to go hide in the corner with his arms folded and deliver a message that he wants to be traded because T Higgins is gone. He's going to figure out a way to make it work because that's, 
That's what he does. That's what he does. And that's why they're going to give him 55 mil or more per year. What? Go ahead, Jay. As I was going to say, I mean, yes, he's not going to pout. He's not going to brood, not going to demand a trade. But it is an interesting question where if if he takes less uh, in the interest of, of paying T and then they can't get T done, how does that play? It's not going to be Armageddon, but maybe the last thing you want to do is upset Joe Burrow. And and again, like you said, he's not it's it's not going to throw a total monkey wrench in the thing. But how how does that go over? Or are do is this a, a dual negotiation where they're they're talking to tease people at the same time and saying, okay, this is what Joe's willing to take, and then this is what we've got for you, and. Is, is this going to be one of those deals where they announce them almost at the same time? Not with Logan Wilson, though, because of the whole, you know, Destiny's Child thing we talked about last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, look, Williams, God bless her. I, I think there's a difference between you're not happy that the team did something that you don't like, and this is going to ruin what they've built and yeah. destroy the dynamic that they've created. Uh, I, I'm sure if T left, Joe would be disappointed and upset, but okay. I mean, then like we all have to, at some point you get over it. And if Joe is interested in accomplishing the things that we all think he can accomplish in this league, that that's going to, there, there's going to be a time at some point, if he's the quarterback of the Bengals for the next eight to 12 years, there's probably going to be a time where he's disappointed by something that they do. And that's, that's true for all of us. You still have to figure out a way to get it done. And I trust that Joe will still play at a very high level and win a bunch of football games. But I, I do think it's a fascinating question because, you know, again, we we all like we all love watching T. Higgins, and he's had a huge hand in their success. And if they're going to be really good this year, he'll have a major hand in their success. And if he's a Bengal beyond 2023, I kind of trust him to figure it out. But I, I just don't view it as the, you know, the 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 apocalyptic uh, circumstance that that I think a lot of people do if if you even entertain the idea of him leaving i just want to end wrap this up with one last one last thing when i think of this this concept i don't know why my brain goes here i don't know maybe it's just my age uh my the way where it hit me in in that certain place uh maybe it's because he's in the news for all the wrong reasons but i think of brett Favre's career (laughs) he made receivers over and over and over again right Mm -hmm. Let's go through when you look at Brett Favre and Shannon Sterling Sharp was all pro. You could yeah. make arguments mm-hmm. that he could be in the Hall of Fame, right? Robert Brooks had 1,500 yards. Then Antonio Freeman was his guy for like four years with like 1,200, 1,500. Then there was some guy named Bill Schroeder who had 1,000 yards. Donald Driver had a run. Javon Walker had 1,400 yards. Greg Jennings had, I mean, look, you put dudes out there with quarterbacks and they make them shine. I'm not saying that it's going to be needs, and he doesn't even need to be like that as long as you have Jamar Chase. I just, at a certain point, you do have to rely on your quarterback um, to be the dude that creates a great number two in some ways. There was also a guy named Kenny in a Wranglers commercial where they were playing mud football. Mm-hmm. He had eight catches for 109 <laughs> yards during that backyard game of football. Have you, ever, have, you tried to play, dog. have you ever tried to do athletics in Wranglers or no, or I've some sort of jeans? Have you ever, ever. ever well, jeans up? I have. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I grew up I in the age you when you know, little, little league Jesus. teams, you only had a shirt. You didn't have a shirt and pants. You had a shirt and whatever you put on. And for me, it was always blue jeans, but yeah. not Wranglers. And back in the day, those were those were not like today's jeans. The the old school jeans, like you're not, you're, there's no bend. There is no bend. No. No. Not at all. <laughs> Today, I mean, you could do yoga in jeans, which, which Mo, you do that often, I know. Oh, yeah. I'm about to do that as soon as I get done here. But you're right. <laughs> I mean, again, like I, I overly simplify this. The reason why you're going to give Joe Burrow all this money and invest in him and make him the, the face of your franchise, the reason why you took him number one is you believe in him to succeed to a degree, regardless of the personnel around him. Now, that doesn't mean you could just, you know, sign a bunch of the guys off Brett Favre's farm to go play with him. But I mean, you still you still have to employ start smart uh, roster building strategies. But but you you're doing what you're doing with Joe Burrow because you believe in him to get it done, regardless of what happens with the talent around him. And to me, a franchise quarterback is the constant amid this sea of change. And that that might mean that one year, for whatever reason, you, you don't have a great offensive line. You still believe in Joe. Your defense, well, you know what? It's a little bit deficient. You still believe in Joe. Or we have injuries on, you know, in this particular position group. You still believe in Joe. And and I, it, to me, I come back to that. They're giving this guy the money they're going to be giving him, deservedly so, because they believe in him to keep the franchise relevant and win a whole lot of football games kind of regardless of of what's happening around him. And that includes that wide receiver where he will turn uh, okay wide receivers into good ones and good ones into great ones and great ones into superstars. I believe in him to be able to do that. And if you disagree, then think twice about writing that check. It's the same way I feel about anybody that comes on to be a guest on ESPN 1530 from three to six. You're going to make them shine. That's just yeah. it. They show up and they sound great because you make them sound great, you know? And that's, mm-hmm. that's why you are radio's Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Well, whatever. Print the Thank, shirt. Thanks, Mo. <laughs> radio's Joe Burrow. <laughs> see ya. Thanks. See you guys. Flattery. Flattery will, will get you somewhere. Yeah, it will. Uh, so, all right. We said we were going to do uh, some Q&A, so we're going to get to that and uh, go through some of these questions. By the way, one last note on my Brett Favre thing. Uh, had four straight years where the Packers uh, had three different leading receivers. They won 12-12, 10-10 games. You know who their head coach was? Zach Taylor's father-in-law. Yeah, Mike Sherman. Mike Sherman. Mike Sherman. Just, a, just a nugget because we, we're all connected. <laughs> It's all connected. Yeah. Just like this, just like Cincinnati. Get, give me five minutes and I'll figure out how we know the same people and we we probably have been to the same places together. Uh, all right, Q and A time. Let's let's dive a little bit into a little bit of our questions that are out there. Um, and so we're gonna start this. I'm just gonna kind of go down through the line. We'll we'll see we'll see where we get. We'll see how it goes. Um, let's go and start with Jackson Ford says, which Bengals player is most likely to be traded in a BJ Hill type trade this year? Now, BJ Hill, of course, two years ago was acquired right before the season started, uh, for Billy price. It was an all time fleecing of the giants. BJ Hill has become a, a stalwart, a rewarded star making $10 million per year at defensive tackle here. Billy price, uh, he's hanging on. Uh, so, um, I, when I think about this, um, I, I think a little bit about the same position group. I, I, it's, I would say throw Billy Price in there with names like Benet Benwickery 
Okay. Someone who's going to get cut. Yep. Someone who, when the Bengals finally look at their 53, say, this guy's not going to make it. He doesn't have a role for us. And I think when you look at their roster right now, there's, we keep joking almost about all the guys with questions at tackle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jonah Williams, Jackson Carmen, Lowell Collins, Cody Ford, Deontay Smith, Hakeem Adenogy. A lot of these guys, almost all of them, have played meaningful football. That's all behind Orlando Brent. Have played meaningful football in this league. An offensive lineman who's played some meaningful football in this league and who the Bengals are not going to have on their team is the type of Billy Price person that you'd be trading away. And maybe there's value in that. Teams are always desperate that time of year for offensive line help. And that's really the only position on the team that where you could see that happen. And I mean, that you just don't have the surplus at other positions where you, I mean, yeah, you're going to cut guys and maybe another team would, would be interested in them, but more than likely they're going to be able to get them on waivers. I just, I don't, I mean, look what they did in the draft. They, they went and they added to the defensive line and they added to the secondary. Um, You don't, there's nothing at linebacker that suggests that, that you've got enough of a surplus there to deal anybody. Um, I mean, maybe a Chris Evans, something like that, but it it feels like it would be a, a a offensive lineman uh, specifically a tackle, They've got so many out there right now. There's no way they're not – they're going to cut probably half of them. I haven't looked at the roster to see how many they have, but that group is huge um, just to try to figure out who's going to be the last man standing at at right tackle and and beat out everybody else. So I don't know if I would put a specific name on it because we don't know how that's going to play out. But, yeah, I mean, LC, maybe Jonah. We've talked about a Jonah trade forever now since he requested Mm -hmm. one. Maybe he's the guy that if he's not going to win that job that that they deal him. Um, but I, I, I just I really can't see it happening at any other position. Yeah, I mean when I maybe maybe receiver, maybe receiver, right? Yeah, I mean where you would talk about somebody like if someone had interest in Trent Taylor, mm-hmm. um, where he's going to be on the outs. You you have Charlie Jones. You, you're you're not going to need him. You have a lot of other young guys. Maybe there's a trade there. Um, you know, maybe who knows, who knows, who knows how running back's going to shake out. Uh, there could be something with the back of that running back room, but I think most likely just because of the desperation you get at that position and teams willing to trade and make sure they get somebody, it could be, you know, we, this, this is going to tie into the next question. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the next question and bring these two together a little bit. Bearcat Scott asked with the regular season, the 17 games in the playoffs, as well as the offensive line injuries this past year, is there any scenario where you see them keeping both Jonah and Collins? You know, Collins is someone we're kind of under the assumption would be the odd man out here. uh, Assuming Jonah takes to right tackle and you still have Jackson Carmen. Um, To me, someone would probably trade for Lowell Collins. That needs a right tackle. Uh, again, played meaningful football. If he's proving to be healthy, you could probably get something for him. I'm not saying it would be a lot, but you could probably get something for him. Maybe that's the guy. Deontay Smith, I mean, he was a project he, project pick in the middle rounds. We haven't really seen him, but if somebody thinks that they can get it out of him, it's a guy who was a decent pick. 
He's still young. If the Bengals don't have space for him anymore amongst all these question mark tackles, maybe he's somebody that somebody has interest in and you can get something for him. Um, so if we're talking about who that could be, I, I still, I'm with you. The offensive line looks loaded. Those are two names that stick out to me. The, the, the question here specifically, Jay, about is there any scenario when we're both under the agreement? I mean, that's unlikely. If you're talking 22 million potentially in these two guys that we don't even know if either of them would start yeah. if Jackson Carmen won that job and one of the two of them isn't going to start. You can have insurance there. You could have the possibility of kicking Collins in particular inside, um, who's done it before. You certainly could see him fitting in that regard. Um, so maybe there's answers there where that's where you want to keep that option open, but that's just a lot of money. The only scenario I see it is one where the something is the fallout of whatever happens with these contracts. So they maybe they don't get as many done. They have 14 million in cap space right now. Maybe they say, look, let's take advantage of this luxury of cap space that we have. We don't need to add. Let's just keep. Let's over the hell spend on our offensive line and have Collins as a pup option and see where we sit after week six. You know? And and maybe that's when something else changes between Jonah or Collins or Carmen or whatever. That's the scenario I see. And it's just a lot of, I mean, they already have a lot of money in the line. It's just a lot of money in the line. I think something would probably have to fall apart. Certainly I don't see, I don't know. It would have to be them saying, let's just take advantage of 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 a luxury that maybe, maybe they didn't spend on extensions the way they thought they would. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I hate talking about this as a scenario, but uh, the scenario I could see is if something did happen to Jackson Carmen in, in, in camp where he got hurt and he was going to miss significant sure. time. I, I'm not going to say it's not impossible and they could make it work um, to keep them both, but it is, it's so much money. And I, I still, I, I know we've, I've said in the past, there's no way, I don't know. I would put it at a hundred percent chance that, that they're, they're not going to have both of those guys, but it's still up there in the nineties somewhere. It just, it wouldn't make sense. Unless, like you said, where they they just put Collins on pup, uh, ride it out and see what happens. Maybe maybe everybody's healthy when they start the season, but you never know. You saw how how bad injuries hurt this team when those O linemen started going down. So it would be a nice insurance plan to have, and they can't afford it. But it's just with, with how much money's tied up in in the in Karis and Kappa, especially Ob OBJ. I keep calling him OBJ, and I know that's not. That's not his nickname, but Orlando Brown Jr. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think that would be the scenario for me is if if guys start going down in camp and and they have to keep both of them. Um, let's go to the next question here. Kev Gotti, uh, is there an heir apparent to Luana Rumo in the building? Right-hand man. I can't see him being around after one more great season, but I'd love a sense of continuity. Um, I mean, we kind of discussed this a little bit back when Lou was up for the Arizona job about, you know, what, what is they had a plan. I mean, I know they had a plan in place. They knew it was a possibility he could leave. I mean, those that Arizona carrot was hanging out there forever. So obviously there is a plan in place. And you now have continued grooming as everyone sees the writing on the wall that Lou certainly could be a head coach soon with another great year, especially if they ha- it involves another deep run. 
I mean, Jay, James Betcher is the most obvious um, yeah. here. Um, he's, you know, he was kind of a guy Lou brought in. I mean, that's where his connection lies. You wonder if James Betcher would follow Lou if Lou got a head coaching job. I think that was something that we thought could happen as a defensive coordinator. Um, but Betcher's been a coordinator before. He's in the building. He knows the team. He's gained trust of everyone. He's the, I mean, he's certainly the one that makes the most sense from a resume and continuity perspective. Yeah, I mean, Livingston's been here the longest, but I just, I don't see that happening. Charles Burks is still a little too young. Um, Marion Hobby, I don't think would be in the mix. So it, 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 it would be, it would be better. And I mean, he was Lou's boss in New York. Mm-hmm. They, that relationship goes back a long way. Um, what, what well, that would be a tough call for him. You can go be a defensive coordinator for Lou on a on a team that no doubt is struggling if they're if they're looking for a new head coach, or you could stay in Cincinnati and be the defensive coordinator here and have Joe Burrow to to help make your defense look better at every turn. Um, but he that would be the one. I, I wouldn't rule out them going out and, and getting somebody young. Um, but I, I, if you're talking continuity, who is the most likely? It 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 be better, and I'm not sure anybody else even would qualify. Yeah, and you never know how internally people feel once you get down to making those decisions. But for better, whether he would leave or not, I mean, one, you're not going to probably be the play caller on defense <laughs> uh, wherever yeah. Lou's a head coach. That would be Lou Anarumo. So you have to figure at that point, you can stay in Cincinnati, be the defensive play caller. It's one step closer to potentially being a head coach if that's something that you desire to be. Um, all right, let's go next. Um, Andreas M., what would you plan to do for a weekend trip to Cincinnati? Bengals game is included. First time Danish visitor, which is a reminder. Uh, the Who Day UK game announcement was put out. The trip that they're doing, they're doing a, a bunch of people coming over for a, a trip. It's Bengals Bills. Uh, they picked mm. a good one. It's like a three or four day trip. Uh, if you follow the Who Day UK people, then you can get in on that. Bengals not going over there, but the trip is happening over to here. So keep an eye on them if you want to get involved in that. What do you say, Jay? It's hard because I think two of the most attractive options are the Cincinnati Zoo and the and Kings Island, but those are those are all day things. Maybe not the zoo as much, but that's going to eat up a big chunk. If you're only here for a weekend, that's it's hard to throw that much time into into one activity. Um, I think Finley Market has to be on your list. Just the the historic nature of that place and uh, the really cool shopping. But again, if you're coming from overseas, you're probably not going to be able to take a lot back with you. So you're just window shopping. You're not actually going to be buying stuff unless you're going to eat it on site. Um, beyond that, I I mean, I'll drop one in. I'll drop one in. Yeah, go ahead. Um, look, if, if you're coming over, like I, I know, I know my European people a little bit, gotten to know them. There better be a brewery tour involved, okay? Cincinnati well, yeah. has spectacular breweries. You're coming over here. You're looking to have a good time. You got all day. Get yourself a, get yourself a bus that someone's going to drive for you or just decide to get into the, the Uber world. Taft's Ale House down in OTR. Make that a part of your OTR. Do an OTR day. Go around, like you said, Finley Market. Go into Taft's Ale House. Go down to all those. Just go walk around Washington Park. Uh, down, go to a, make a 
you know, get in at a great reser- uh, restaurant down there, all those great ones, and then pop a brewery tour on it. Get out, get out the 50 West, of course. You know that. Mm. Um, go see that. Get out, come, come into my hood. Say what's up to me at Mad Tree. Come down to Oakley. Uh, get Ryan Geist in there. You know, there's, you've got all this great history um it that's that's a part of it too when you get down into otr that's really cool and i love a part of you know keeping those involved too so i i would you know there's others there's a million breweries in town that that are all fun and for different ways those are a few that i would add in there but i, I would have that a part of it you know certainly a, if you're coming in for a Bengals game great i mean if you can add a potential reds game onto that too i i do always recommend going to see a baseball game while you're here it's 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 a fun thing to do and it's a chance for you to kind of hang out downtown smail park all that stuff you're right jay i knew you would recommend king's island as a coaster guy of course (laughs) um but i you know i would i would do a you know i would pop some restaurants in there um you know i would try to find a soto reservation um i i have a list if you want it uh, of about 20 different uh, restaurants that I love in the city that I just think, I think it's a fantastic food city. Um, so I, I would focus on food and drink and the downtown history is certainly a place where you'd start if you're coming from out of town. That would give you, I think, a unique experience that you really can't find anywhere else. And then go ride some coasters with Jay. Be careful yeah. though, he'll get you in trouble. They, they do have those uh, those guided um, brewery tours because I see the buses all the time up here in Hamilton yeah. going to municipal. So that is a good way. I don't know if you can craft your own stops or if you just have to rely on what they do or like Paul said, just find somebody that's willing to be your driver and just take you all over. Yeah. Pay a driver. You're yeah. paying to come over here. Do it right. Uh, all right. Like that question. Um, let's go this from Mark. Is there a reason drafted running backs like Travion Williams and Chris Evans have such a hard time breaking through for playing time? Chase Brown was drafted in a similar spot to these two guys. Is there something that makes him much better? I thought Chris Evans was a receiving back type. All right, Mark. Um, I like this question. It, I, there are a couple Chris Evans questions. There's a lot of running back questions. So let's just kind of unpack this here. Um, Chris Evans, I don't think, I think it was viewed that last year was his shot. Last preseason was for Chris Evans. We wrote about him. Mm -hmm. We talked about the opportunity he had on him. The coaches wanted him to seize it. I think they thought he could displace Samaj P. Ryan because of exactly what you talked about, what his receiving skills could be. But he was not good running north and south. He couldn't stop bouncing he he was not running well between the tackles and when you are an offense that relies on efficient running and avoiding negative plays like oh i don't know you bounce it and it causes a hold on the tackle over and over again like happened in the preseason people talk about the long runs he had he was bouncing and freelancing and Offensive linemen weren't ready for it, and they got busted for holds. It happened a couple of times. He wasn't following his tracks. That's a problem. That's a problem. They can't rely on you to do that. It doesn't matter how good a receiver you are on the backfield, and I think it really hurt his stock. Um, They could still find use for him, certainly as a receiver, and they did. I mean, he caught the game-winning touchdown against the Chiefs. I think there's hope for him. It's the reason he's still around, but he's just got to get better at being an efficient runner in whatever small role he would be used as a runner if he's going to be out there on third downs 
and Pass Pro. I mean, right. I, he right. he didn't take the next step with that either. And and I don't think that's the case with with Travion. I I, I think Travion was just stuck behind those guys, and and he's I don't know that he has the size to be a the the durable number two. I, I think he is your. I, I think it's a great testament to to the promise they see in him that he is still here despite barely getting any run at all in the backfield. But I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think that, that Chase Brown is the guy that's going to break through and he, and Samaje has gone that, that, that door is open. Um, but I just, I, I think with Travion, the issue with him was more being landlocked as opposed to not doing what they wanted to do as far as taking the right tracks and, and following the script of the play, which was the issue with Chris yeah, or is to- the issue with Chris. Totally agree. I mean, Travion was, was kind of viewed as much more of a mix and backup specifically mm-hmm. and not necessarily in the receiver role. And honestly, early on in his career, watching him in camp and stuff, he really struggled catching the ball. I think they saw improvement there um, and they really liked what they saw of him last year. There's a reason he jumped over Evans. Um, and I think there's hope. They feel like there's hope that that Williams can can do what Samaj P. Ryan did, and that's carve out a role for himself. I mean, he certainly showed it at times last year when he was given opportunity. They're going to give him chance to this. If last year in preseason was partially a Chris Evans opportunity, I think this year in preseason is a Travion Williams opportunity. So we'll see. What does Chase Brown do? I think Chase Brown is is going to be a, a complete back carrying the ball. I think you like who he is. As a, as a runner, as a as a dude who's going to take it and can get you to the house, he can make guys miss at the second level. He's thick. He's been a workhorse. Now Travion had big numbers at A and M too, but he was much more of a wide zone fit. Mm-hmm. I think they like Chase Brown as the gap downhill fit a little bit more. Um, and so for that reason, that's kind of something that Chase Brown does. He can catch the ball uh, well enough. They'll they'll see how well once they get him going in camp. I think there's there is hope for Brian. I, you know. Let's just say they had a higher round grade on on Chase Brown now than they did on either Evans um, or Travion. Uh, okay. Along that note, also from Mark, a run passer boot coming out of the bye week. Who's getting the most playing time? Chase Brown, Jordan Battle, or DJ Turner? Well, I guess I would have to to clarify playing time at their position or playing I'd say time. Play, let's go playing time, period. Special Total teams. snaps logged. Let's throw teams in there. I, I still think I would run with Chase Brown. Just you you know you've seen what this looks like, what the what the two back mix looks like, and and he's most likely to be the two to mix in, if not supplanting him. So he's he's gonna see the field. Um I guess I would I would pass on DJ Turner. Um, there can always, you, you need corn, you need fourth corner. Uh, there could always be an injury where he could slide in and get more playing time. Um, and Jordan battle, I'll boot him, but I mean, he's going to be out there for just about every special team. Um, and then who knows, maybe in, in training camp, he, he makes a, a, a makes a statement, makes a case for, for a job and he doesn't necessarily win it. But if either one of those guys, Nick or Dax struggles, he could slide in there, um, but I still think he's the least likely to, even knowing that he's going to be out there all those special teams. I think he's the least likely to to lead in snaps out of the bye. I, I'd run with Chase Brown, boot DJ or pass on DJ Turner and boot battle. I I would flip 
Battle and Turner, only for the fact that Battle is definitely going to play more on teams. He's going to be mm-hmm. a core four special teams guy. And Turner and Battle are both one injury away from playing. So to me, the injury thing is no different. Yeah, um, true. Now, Cheeto's coming off the ACL, but I don't really have much concern with that. Um, you know, and now maybe there's there's three different guys that could get injured because Turner could step in and, and be your slot guy. Who knows what happens there between Dax Hill, Turner, Jalen Davis. They've got options. But um, I, I, I would lean battle just because I think he is going to be an absolute instant special teams star. I mean, I think he's I think the expectation is he's going to come in and be a real leader immediately for that group. And so being on the field that much puts him over the top for me. And I agree. I agree with Chase Brown. I think he's going to, I mean, I, at that point, he could be, he could be the guy. No question. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, a lot of tight ends were drafted. So what is your prediction on how many tight ends the Bengals pick up off waivers? Um, we've kind of talked about this topic a little bit. Um in that you you see nine tight ends go in the first three rounds. Well, who are some of the players that are on the back end of that that might get released or cap casualty that comes out of a being supplanted by a young player? Um, how many? I, I think one ad. Um, people, someone was asking about Mitchell Wilcox earlier in the comments. I still I think Mitchell Wilcox probably is brought back. I it seems obvious. I don't. I mean, I guess he could latch on somewhere else, but a guy who they trust who's played seems to be a good competitor for the back of that room. I would think Mitchell Wilcox is back barring something unforeseen that we don't know about. Um, and then I think another. I mean, I don't know. I don't know whether it's a trade. I don't. I don't. I don't know if it's a waiver wire. Those are really hard things to predict. You just there's a bunch of guys they have eyes on, and you see you shake the the, the tree will shake during camp and preseason and final cuts and you see what falls. Um, but they're going to be, they're going to have interest. It'll be a position they'll look to potentially target if they're looking to make a trade, if they're doing a player for player deal um, or look for this year's Devin Asiasi, right? Yeah. And it could be zero. I mean, if you don't count Wilcox, but they, I mean, at every turn they've, they've gone out of their way to say how much they like Hudson and Bowers, the two practice squad tight ends is that is, is that just blowing smoke or is there something to that? I guess we'll, we'll see in camp how those guys look, but if, if they are as good as they say they are, I think they would be fine putting those guys back on the practice squad and not necessarily needing to, to go out. If it's a, if it's a tight end, that's a surprise cut that even then it would be hard to get them on waivers because they're, they're going to be way back at the back end of the, the waiver wire. And if it's someone that everybody they got all wants. those guys last year, remember they ended up getting three last year. Well, yeah. Nobody wanted them. <laughs> it's true. But you know, if that is, I mean, are there, I don't know. I haven't looked around the league enough to see how many other teams are strapped at tight end. But if it's, if it's a guy that has a lot of interest, then they're probably not going to get it. Yeah. Well, and you, and you never know. I mean, I, I, you know, the one, a name that's interesting to me and I'm floating this, this is not me like having talked to anybody, but you you look at, you know, the Rams are getting young, churning, looking to save money. They have Tyler Higby making six million dollars. They drafted uh Davis Allen in the in the fifth round. They've got other guys that are young players. 
uh, behind him that they've kind of tried to invest in. Maybe they make some sort of a move there because they're just recognizing what this year is for them and cash saved is cash saved to get themselves straight. Again, I, I don't know if that's something that happens, but certainly somebody who would be known here, that would be a the, the Rams connection is still one that does play as far as knowing who they are. Um, one that our friend Charlie Goldsmith has pointed out, he's team Josiah DeGuara bringing him back because the Packers did draft two tight ends. So yeah. what's left in the back of that room, a former pick in the third round out of UC, he's small, he's 6'2", 238. So I, I don't know if the Bengals would want to go that small at the position. That would be the question there. But if you were talking about somebody who could be let go and just got drafted over twice, um, perhaps that's somebody and he'd be a special teamer type too that they would re- that you'd really like in that position. So a couple of uh names to throw out there. Uh let's sign go. me up for Higby and Higgins on the roster when they play the Chiefs. Higby and Higgins. Yeah, oh, right. Together. The- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For uh for our boy uh Justin Reed. Justin Reed, uh, yeah. Okay, let's go. Let's see. Do you let's see any update? Sense with the never-ending Mixon saga, legal issues don't seem like they'll be resolved until late in the season. No. No updates on that right now. Still fluctuating, still hanging out there, still yet to be resolved on all fronts. The only thing I will continue to say is continue the answer, Joe Mixon will not be a $10 million running back. <laughs> I don't know when all this is going to go down, but it's going to go down. Yeah. Um, let's go. All right, Jay, fun one from Bengals rotational piece on Twitter. Rank your favorite rookie numbers, and do the rookies get to pick? I, th- I they do get their choice of availability. I believe some of them get kind of stuck. There's not a ton, uh, but I, they they can pick amongst the few that are still available, and then that can change uh, once guys get cut. They can move their numbers after the final cuts before the season starts. But um, rank your. F- Rank your favorite. Let's just do top two, bottom two out of Miles Murphy at 99, DJ Turner at 20, Jordan Battle at 27, Charlie Jones at 15, Chase Brown at 30, Andre Yoshivash 80, Brad Robbins 10, DJ Ivy 38. I, number one's Murphy. I mean, 99 is a cool number. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, and no one's really made their mark in that number for the Bengals. Can you think of the greatest 99 in Bengals history? Marcus Hunt. I mean, well, <laughs> there you go. Second round bust. Big Daddy. First round bust. Mm. Uh, David Pollock because of injury. Never panned. They just they've never had a great 99. So that 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 is wide open for Miles Murphy to really stamp that number in Bengals history. Um, my second would be DJ Turner. I like I like 20. Um, just kind of putting it out there that Eli Apple is not coming back. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and just he's just taking taking his job. He's taking his number. And I, I just like the way it looks on him. Um, so th- those would be my top two. All right. You know what? I'm tempted for the reasons you just stated to put Miles Murphy at the bottom. All these bus, <laughs> all these top pick busts at 99 here. You just named three of them. I don't know. if you, Do you want to be in that line if you were the first round pick? You want to associate yourself with Big Daddy and and Margus Hunt? I mean, is this is this that what you want? I'm I mean, tempted to put him at the bottom. Although you're right, 99 in general, extremely cool number. Not yes. not debating that. Coolness, 
But history, maybe not on Miles Murphy's side. So, uh, but I, I, so for that fact, I'm not going to put him in my top. Uh, also in my bottom, DJ Ivy having to wear 38. Tough, tough draw. Not a, not the number of someone who's a starting cornerback in this league or going to make a team usually. Don't like mm-hmm. the 38 for a corner. Tough draw for him. Uh, number one, Andre Yoshivash, 80. 80. Collinsworth vibes. Love the, love the old school. I'm an old school soul. Yeah. All these kids in the low numbers, in the teens, the receivers wearing the teens. It's so cute. Give me an old school receiver wearing 80. Yes. Let's go. I like it. Give me, give me, give me that, and uh, I'm with you on Turner. I'll take. I like. I like a good twenty number. I like the elimination of the Eli Apple, uh, the the statement on Eli Apple. I know people like Eli Apple, but it can. He was. He was a bit of a headache. <laughs> selfishly, <laughs> we're very selfish on our side yeah. uh, to track uh, and have to you know worry about. So I'll I'll say that those are those are kind of my I like. It's a fun question. I like that, but I'm nervous about Murphy. Don't don't like that ninety nine lineage. Don't like that ninety nine lineage. Um, lastly, I got one from Jimmy D. Have your beloved Everton done enough to scrape over the line? And how nervous <laughs> are you feeling ahead of this weekend? That's right. One match left. They are narrowly ahead of rele- relegation, only by a couple points. It's going to be close. I don't like that my fandom has come down to one-game freakouts over relegation. This is supposed to be about liking a team that might win something. It's merely about not being the worst and having to sweat out getting demoted. Uh, yeah, I'm nervous. Their team stinks. <laughs> if they lose, there's a chance they're gonna. I'm gonna have to watch them on like some weird stream that i gotta pay for like i don't don't even know how to watch champ like the championship i don't want that so yes i'm nervous but i remain hopeful Uh, i don't follow him so i don't have a dog in the fight but i am curious now that i know what's at stake here what what time do they play uh i believe 11 30 eastern is the time the most of the matches all go off at the same the same because it's all connected on who wins who loses up and down and championships and europe league europa all this stuff so i'm nervous i'm nervous i'll, I'll keep an eye on it yeah jay do you have an arby's oh uh, we didn't we didn't question. talk about we arby's did. i didn't know i didn't i didn't know if you just had one in your back pocket um i can't say i do i i i i, I thought it was odd and and this was a guy who's a number i i don't like Brad Robbins, the punter, getting 10. Um, I know they weren't going to retire Huber's number, but it just seems too soon. Um, but he was – he seemed – he's from Central Ohio. He's from Columbus, Ohio, Westerville. And he seemed surprised by how coated in sweat his hat was after yesterday's practice. He came in the locker room and took his hat off and showed it to me how wet his hat was with sweat. And I was like, that's – that's kind of what the weather is around here, and it's it's gonna get a whole lot hotter. But he's just he's one of those weird guys. You never know what you're gonna get from him when when you talk to him. And uh, a wet ball cap was what I got yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad you mentioned a wet ball cap because it takes me into mine. There is such a wide variety when we're dealing with these not really practice practices of headwear. 
Like the offensive linemen are all out there wearing Cincy hats. Like you know it's not serious. Yeah. When like the players are all wearing just like normal hat. You get the linemen in Cincy hats. We're all talking about Joe Burrow's headband. We we've got you've got the like I always used to like the bucket hat. The 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 wide brim bucket hat with the mm. with the drawstring underneath. That was the sign of somebody making a broad announcement. I am not here to try hard today. <laughs> I'm in a but usually the bucket hat has is wearing slides, you know, going socks and slides style like our old Super Bowl buddy. What was our Super Bowl buddy's name? Oh my gosh! I can't, I can't believe, believe I've, I've I can't believe forgotten I forgot so it fast. Uh, the mids, I that's killing me. I can't believe I forgot that. Uh, but the bucket hat, like, is you see that you know I don't see as much of it now. But I feel like some of these hats, it really is also a pronouncement of like, yeah, this isn't going to be like that. Now I'm a hat guy. I have to wear a hat. Bald. Shout out BJ Hill coming to the bald side. Who was who was shouting out to the bald folks after he got shaved last week? It's good to have him here. On our team, uh, but you know, got to be a hat guy if you're going to be a bald guy out there. Mm-hmm. So I get it, like I, I get it. But there's a lot of hat, lot of focus on hats and people wearing different things in their heads, and it is really kind of a way of saying, yeah, this isn't really. I just always liked the bucket hat. Not today, I said. Today's <laughs> not today. <laughs> I mean, Orlando Brown had the old school like NBA white headband uh, yeah. for, for his headgear, and I, I just googled it real quick. Vernon Hargraves. Oh, was Vernon Hargraves. Inside, mad at myself for not remembering Vernon Hargraves, <laughs> our boy. Great. Never seen Zach so mad. Oh man, what a great photo of <laughs> the overhead shot of everyone celebrating and right in the middle of it. <laughs> Socks and slides. He had like he had AirPods in it. Did he have AirPods in? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> It'd be great. I'm sure he did. Oh man, great stuff. All right, Jake. We'll wrap it up. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, see you next week. Zach Taylor speaks after the uh, practice, so that will be going off next week. I'm taking off on a little bit of a vacay next week. So what? Lots of we're talking about our off season shows. Really excited about that. Jay and I have hatched some pretty good ideas. We've figured out our rewatch this year. Mo is very excited about it. Jay and I are very excited about it. We might be able to make you extra excited about it. Um, I think it's going to be really fun. Lots of good stuff coming your way. Two on two is going to be back. We're working on some of those. All that stuff we liked last off season coming your way again. In the works. We're cooking it up. What is it? What's the look? Look, it's in the process. Okay, we're, we're it's in the process. We're doing just like the borough contract. We're working to get that done, I said. Uh, All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.